0: And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with Jesus and to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I am so, so grateful that you are here. Thank you again for being part of the unedited journey. I'm so glad you're here. On today's episode, I am going to share a conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with Jamie Herndon. She is the podcast host of the Unashamedly You podcast. And I have been so blessed and inspired and strengthened and encouraged through this conversation. And I really believe it's going to be an encouragement to you as well. The Unashamedly You podcast is just a piece of what Jamie has felt called to do. She's building a community of kingdom-minded women, really a, a community of encouragement, empowering women to do those things that the Lord has called them to do, whatever that might be. And so you can find her podcast, Unashamedly You, on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you listen. Also follow along with her on Instagram and keep up with all the exciting things that she is doing This conversation has been um, a particular blessing to me in the story that Jamie shares about her dad. Very, very inspiring, very faith-building. Share this conversation um, with anyone you know that may just have an impossible situation that they are facing. Um, Maybe it is a prodigal child or, or a family member who's walked away from God, but this conversation will be a blessing. And so today, I would like to share this conversation with Jamie Herndon. Today I have the privilege of interviewing Jamie Herndon. Jamie is the host of the Unashamedly You podcast. It's a space that's dedicated to helping women reach their full God-given potential and be the best that they can be for the kingdom. So I'm so grateful to have you on today, Jamie. Thank you for being willing to share with the unedited listeners.
1: Well, I wanted to say thank you for having me on. I do personally know how hard it is to keep up with podcasts and editing, posting, doing all the things that comes with what you are doing here on Unedited. Um, And you've just been a huge inspiration to me personally. So I just feel really privileged to be asked to join you today. I am Jamie Herndon. I am a mom of three. I have two girls, and then we got our boy, and I have to say he is all boy. <laughs> he totally come in and rocked our princess world, but we're having so much fun. I am married to my high school sweetheart, Matt. We celebrate 17 years of marriage this September, which I can't even believe that I am old enough to say I have been married for 17 years. Um, we're both from the Little Rock area and go to First Pentecostal Church of North Little Rock. I was blessed to be born and raised there and in that church. Um, My favorite thing to do is to be surrounded by friends and family. I love a good cup of coffee, and I live for encouraging kingdom-minded women. So
0: I am honestly
1: just excited for what we are going to be discussing here today.
0: Me too. Thank you so much. How fun that. God injected a little boy into your your girl world. I love that. Boys are so much fun. And thank you for what you're doing, being an encouragement. The world needs more encouragement. And I'm just so grateful that you are being a light and helping people fulfill the call of God on their lives. I know you gave us a little bit about your background. Can you just talk about your passions? How did unashamedly you get started? Can you share just a little bit about that journey to podcasting and what happened in your life leading up to that.
1: Sure. So uh, this journey feels like a really long one, but whenever I look back on it, it really honestly has not been that long that I have been doing this. Um, And just, I started sharing my dreams out loud with a friend. Um, There's so much power in speaking things out. And then to my husband And the dream was to have a community of kingdom-minded women that encouraged one another to go after their God-given calling. I was in network marketing for seven years. And honestly, I just built an incredible team with some amazing women and got to see firsthand women coming on board. They were broke. They were broken. And the team of women would just rally around them and bring support. And eventually they would grow in every area, mentally, spiritually, business, and Over a year, I felt God just really kind of nudging me about doing the same thing, except for all women, no matter what they were going for. It's like more women need this in the kingdom. It's not just about your team and about people that are doing this one thing. There are women that I am calling to do all kinds of things, and they need the support. And so I just felt that nudging over time. And then it went more from a nudge to, I started feeling absolutely miserable. (laughs) If anybody has been asked of God to do anything, maybe you can relate to that. So he just, he got me in that place where I just was feeling really miserable until I started seeking out direction and just speaking out what I wanted to see and feel happen with my personal team um, for women, no matter what their calling was you know, I just always felt like no one should be telling you what your calling is, but you should be seeking out direction from God. And we should be encouraging that we should be encouraging one another. So I started seeing a lot of things on social media, like you have to do it this way, or you have to do it that way. And I was just so bothered about that because I was thinking the kingdom is not cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. It's not every one of us are not called to do the exact same thing. And sometimes I feel like that may be easier if we all knew exactly what each other was facing, um, exactly what they were feeling, but that's not how God set it up. And thankfully he didn't set it up that way because we can look at what other people are doing and they can, their calling can encourage our calling and can help ours to further the kingdom, which is the whole point of it. So um, I started feeling that. And so through speaking this dream out and truly feeling that God was calling me to this, the podcast was born. It's just one piece of this community, but it was released on November 11th of 2022. And we celebrated one year this past November, and it's just been a lot of fun. It was really scary stepping out, especially that first episode. It was absolutely terrifying, but I announced it on social media. And it's like, once you put something out there in the social media world, you feel like you have to continue. You have to go on. So I put it out there that we were doing this and that the podcast was coming out and it was sink or swim at that point.
0: (laughs) Well, I think you're swimming. You're doing a great job. I do know that the intimidation is so intense when you are putting yourself out there, you know, whatever the format is. It might be as simple as teaching a one-on-one Bible study. That's intimidating, right? There's intimidation with so many things that we Set out to do. So, I want to just ask you real quick. You said the podcast is one piece of the unashamedly you. Can you just expound a little more on the other pieces of this community that you are building? Sure.
1: So, with unashamedly you, it is. We do have the podcast that comes out every single week on Fridays. But if you follow us on show, Shul- if you follow us on social media at unashamedly you then you can see that there is like daily encouragement that we try to post and we try to put out there. I do coaching, some one-on-one coaching, some group session coaching, and then we are actually releasing A start group. And it's like, if you want to start something and you don't even know what it is, or you're feeling a calling to start something, you're not sure how to start. Or if you've started something, but you need some encouragement along the way um, to be able to join a Facebook community group and get just encouragement. Women are in there showing things back and forth, like, should I post this? Or how does this sound? Just that rallying around one another saying, yes, you should, or that's a good job, or I love that you said this or that, or that is so needed. And just having that encouragement to keep pushing and to keep going forward, because sometimes when we do start something, it is intimidating and we feel so alone. But this is a group of women that are also feeling a calling to do something and they're encouraging one another together.
0: That's so beautiful. How did you uh, choose the name for your podcast?
1: So it's funny because I actually didn't.
0: (laughs) I was talking to a girl that I knew that did
1: graphics and I'm just going to throw in a little nugget here. When you start looking for things that you need, if you'll look within the church first and why I say this is you can find something to, if you can find someone to do something that is praying also, then God can lead and direct you through them. And so everything that I've done through unashamedly you has been with apostolic business owners. And I was talking to Valerie Hicks, which she is the owner of the Valley Collective. She mainly does clothes now, but at the time she was doing a lot of graphic designs and I knew that. So I told her about my dream of this community and just kind of what I was feeling God was doing kind of to mainly ask her about like graphics and posting things like that. And she just says, it feels like you're wanting to tell people to be unashamedly you, not someone else, not to look at someone else's calling, but unashamedly to walk in their calling. And I started crying. I was like, yes, that is exactly it. So we Googled the name immediately expecting it to be taken. It wasn't, it was open on Instagram. The website unashamedly was open. I was absolutely floored because I thought that that would have been taken And then there was even a scripture that backed it up that we use in the Unashamedly You community. And it is 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And it was just like God had saved Unashamedly You just for me. So that is where the name was born and how it came about.
0: I love that. And I love how you said a few minutes ago, the kingdom of God is not cookie cutter. And that is so important. God has called and commissioned each one of us to do something. Obviously, we know the primary calls of the Bible, right? The call to salvation, the call to repentance, the call to walk in holiness, the call to reach the lost. But above and beyond that, there are things that he has gifted us the skills or the ability, and sometimes it gets us out of our skills and our ability to do. And it's not always going to look like what somebody else is doing. Maybe you don't know anybody who has done that before. I mean, in my case, I did not really in my world. I didn't have anybody else who had started a podcast. I didn't have anybody else who had written a book. And I don't know about you, but it's just amazing what you're doing. Again, to encourage people not to do what somebody next to them is doing, but to seek the Lord for what he would have them do for their life. And you've kind of already alluded to this, but Can you just talk about getting outside of your comfort zone to do something for God?
1: So comfort zone is a big word that I absolutely do not like, because if you think about it, your comfort zone is really not comfortable. It's Mm -hmm. actually, it's usually uncomfortable, but it's familiar. Mm -hmm. You know, what's in the familiar zone. I have, I have seen people stay broke. Brokenhearted and absolutely miserable, and call it their comfort zone. That is not comfortable. But leaving the familiar and walking into the unknown, even if the unknown brings financial blessings, healing, peace, it is still so hard to leave the familiar to get there. But God will never call you to something that you can do on your own. In Joshua 1 9, he says, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And at some point you're going to have to decide, like, am I going to leave the familiar and walk by faith? Or am I going to stay where I can walk by sight? But you cannot, you can't do both. You have to make a decision at some point. If you're going to leave the familiar zone, just because it's familiar does not mean it's comfortable. Just because you know what's going to come in the world that you're in. And you may not know what's going to happen on the other side that God's calling you to. But I can tell you this, if he's calling you to it, he's going to He's going to walk with you through it. He's going to give you exactly what you need once you get there. It's just leaving the familiar and walking with him and walking away from that. Um, and truly, once you walk away from your familiar zone, you'll realize what a comfort A comfort zone really is. It's actually comfortable where God's calling you to be. He's going to give you the comforts of life that you're looking for, but you're not going to get there staying familiar.
0: That is so good. I love that. I've never heard anybody say that. Like your comfort zone is not comfortable. It's just familiar. And that's the journey of faith. God calls us to get out of what's familiar to us, what's normal to us, and walk one step at a time as He leads us, as He guides us. Obviously, we've talked about this a little bit. So much of what you're doing is encouragement. Can you just share about the power of encouragement, maybe even some tools that you learned while you were in your business aspect of life? What is a practical way that we can encourage and what are the results of that encouragement?
1: One of the things I think so many times is that God will lay something on your heart to do. And we don't do it. We think of every excuse and every reason why not to. How many times have you felt, and you know it's God, because if it wasn't God, you would not be arguing with yourself if you were wanting to do that. We don't argue with ourselves when we want something, right? We argue with ourselves when God's calling us to something that we're really not comfortable. We really don't want to go over there and do. So how many times have you felt to pray for someone or to send an encouraging text or to drop an encouraging note along to someone on social media, um, you know, just to let them know, like, I love this. You're doing an absolutely incredible job. Um, I'm proud of you, or I'm praying for you. I felt to pray for you. Um, you know, just like these little thoughts and things throughout life that God gives us in these little nudges that he puts on us. And we just completely ignore them. If you start being keen to those feelings that God is giving you those little bitty nudges that he's giving you. You'll learn really quickly that he's just wanting to see like, can I use you? Can I ask you to go over there and pray with them and you obey me and you go over there and you be an encouragement. We never know exactly what other people are going through. You know, there are times when you're going through something I've, I've been here myself. I've been there where I'm like, you know what? I wish someone would come and pray with me, (laughs) you know, like maybe, and I don't know if you're this way, but I'm, and people that know me know I'm a big altar worker. I pray with people in the altar, every service. And then sometimes there have been times in my life where I'm like, I need help. I need prayer. I need someone to just pray for me and with me through this situation or through this hard time, someone will come over and they'll put their hand on my back and it means so much. Just they don't even realize that what they're doing. They'll mm. grab my hand and pray. And I think they have no idea or a friend will send a text. Um, someone will get in my inbox on social media and say, you are absolutely killing it. Your podcast is amazing. I love it. And they, it just brightens my whole day. It feels amazing. We love to be encouraged. Mm. It does so much for us. But when God asks us to encourage other people, Why do we second guess that? Why do we stop and think, you know, well, I don't want them to think that they need prayer or I don't want to be wrong that they may not need this encouragement. And I don't want to overstep on. We think all these things when all God wants us to do is say, yes, I'm willing. I am willing to encourage my sister. I am willing to let them know that I'm here for them. I'm praying for them. I love them and they need it." it. a hundred percent of the time, we all need encouragement. It doesn't matter if you're at a low place. If someone gives you encouragement, you feel even better. If you're at a high place, you go even higher. So don't second guess that encouragement that God's dropping on your heart. I think that that's just one of the, it's a small piece of it, but it is so much more important than we allow ourselves to even know or realize.
0: It's part of the fuel that humanity runs on. Kind words uplifting words, like you said, whether we're in a really difficult season or not. I love the different verses where Paul talks about how people refreshed him. That was the great apostle Paul, who seems so impervious to us. You know, we look at him and he suffered a night and day or he suffered shipwreck and all these other things that he lists out. But he recorded in several places about the power of encouragement I want to just switch gears a little bit, and I have heard you share about your dad. He was a prodigal. He came back, and when Brother Taylor Fish was on the podcast a few months back, he shared a little bit about that story as well. I know there are probably people listening who have prodigals. I have a prodigal, and I know it can be a very painful road to walk, and I just wanted to know if you would be willing to share a little bit of that story with the unedited listeners today.
1: I would be absolutely honored to share this story. So, yes, my father backslid when I was 13 years old. He'll tell you the devil just he got a hold of him and he did exactly what he is here to do. He to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's exactly what he did with my dad. Um, he took his marriage, he took his business. My dad was a very successful paint contractor in the central Arkansas area. He owned one of the largest painting companies in the area at the time, um, if not the largest. And um, we had, you know, it was three of us girls. He was a pillar in the church. The devil just caught him letting his guard down and totally stepped in and took over his life. So after being backslid a short time, he went into drug use to try to numb the pain and the pain that he had caused to us, his family, the pain that he had himself he started using meth. He was a meth addict for 22 years. And by addict, I mean he used every single day. He uses the term wake and bake. Sometimes he says, because that's exactly what they did, they would wake up and they would bake. It become to me that I just, I didn't pray for my dad to get back in church because I really didn't even know that he had mind enough to be normal and to pray back through and, you know, to just live a normal life. I didn't really even think that he probably had mind enough for that. But what I always prayed for was for God to at least have mercy to let me know before he died. I was so scared every day that I would get a phone call that my dad maybe had been dead for days, was found, passed away, that he would overdose because I knew eventually that was going to come and so it was just back and forth i never really knew how to pray but i knew that if god would give me a chance to be able to talk to him before he passed away that maybe he would have a chance to you know ha- get forgiveness and to be able to be saved before he passed away and that that's just that's what i prayed that's all i had faith for but our pastor had preached on vision sunday and he said it was going to be the year of the open door and he had mentioned and said that god was going to open doors for our loved ones to be saved for our lost loved ones to be able to walk through. And he said, act like you would act if your lost loved one had an open door and they just walked through the open doors. Well, everyone was just kind of standing around clapping. And I sat there and thought to myself, maybe y'all's families like barely backslid. (laughs) Maybe they're just, you know, if they had an open door, it would be easy for them. But I thought mine is a meth head absolutely strung out on drugs His mind has completely been worked by the devil. And if he had an open door to walk through, like I would not be standing here clapping. So I took off running the aisles and I was like the only one I think that moved out of my pew. But my pastor, he stopped the service. I actually went back and screen recorded and saved this so that I would have faith after this. But my pastor stopped and he looked at me in the mic and he said that right there. He's like, that's the faith. They're coming home. And so I just knew that was my year, you know, I'm like God's it's the open door. And I prayed every day I had faith, things were happening and it was the very last service of the, that year. And it was not my year. <laughs> um, in fact, my dad had, he had made some comments and things were said and mentally, emotionally, I couldn't take it any longer. And I had to cut off communication with him completely. Um, it was absolutely heart wrenching for me. I cried so many tears but it's all that I really even knew that I could do. But the last service of that year, we had a prayer meeting and again my pastor was up at the front in the microphone. I don't know if he's ever even said this before, but my faith was a little low. I'm like, God, like I thought this was the year the open door. Where is my father? And where is, you know, where is my father? He's not here. He didn't come. And in the mic, my pastor said, I don't care if you've been praying for over 20 years. And at this time it had been 20 years. He said, I don't care if you've been praying for over 20 years. He said, God is going to bring them back. And I just knew I'm like, okay, we started this, this year off with backsliders are going to have an open door to come home. And I've ended that. I don't care if you've been praying for 20 years. So the next year, my sister brought my dad to our big I Am Easter production that we always have to see my family in the play. And we were all at the church for the first time in years. And it was amazing. Like it was it was awesome that my dad was there. I had not seen him in over a year by this time. But it, it just felt so good to have my whole family in church, even if it was for, you know, this big play and production that we had. It wasn't an actual service, but he was there. And my sister, who's a prodigal as well, we were all in the building for the first time in a long time. And it just felt so good. Rock on to that year in June, my dad's brother got really sick and he passed away quickly. And suddenly the funeral was on a Tuesday so my daughter Evelyn went and asked my dad to come to church with us that night. He said he would. And so they were really excited. And I thought, you know, I don't really try to tell them whenever he's going to do things because he wasn't always able. He didn't have a dependable ride. He just wasn't able to always show up. And it was after church had already started. So I thought, you know, he's not coming, but he came running in late. And after that service, I started offering to pick him up and I, it's just a crazy story. Like you can't really even probably imagine your family being here. But like I said, my dad was a great dad. He had a good family. He was a pillar in the church. He had an incredible business, 22 years of being on meth, running away from God, living an absolute terrible life. My dad was literally living in a junkyard. Like it was in a junkyard. He was living in a camper that was on the junkyard. It was, completely trashed. He had no running water. They didn't really have any food. He was just living day in and day out for meth. He was at his completely lowest point in life. And, you know, I feel like that that's where God had to place him and to get him, you know, as family, we had all had to pull away because there were just so many things that were going on. His mind was just so messed up by the drugs. Honestly, we knew he was saying things he would have never said as my dad, but it wasn't my dad speaking. I would tell myself, you know, this is meth and this is it talking to me. And I just, I can't talk to meth, you know, like I I can't have a relationship with this because it's not my dad. So that night he went back home. But after that, we had asked him if we could start picking him up for church. And he agreed to let us start picking him up. So my husband would leave early on Sunday morning, sometimes an hour early to be able to go and pick him up. He was staying around 30 minutes from us and we'd pick him up and we would bring him back and forth to church every service he came. You know, my daddy's at this point, he has no home, no family, no money, no vehicle. He had over $9,000 in fines. It was just, he was in trouble with the law. Like he had just no hope really. And we were in revival, like you said, with brother Taylor fish. And he has spoke on this in another episode, but my dad, he lifted his hands one Sunday night and the Holy ghost was so strong. You could tangibly reach out and touch it. And in that one service, God completely delivered my dad of a cigarette and meth addiction over 22 years of a meth addiction. And in less than one year's time, My parents were remarried. His fines were completely dismissed from the court. They allowed him to use his church time and his prayer meetings to pay off the fines. Like, is that even ever heard (laughs) of? (laughs) He got his license back. I took a video of him walking out of the DMV with the license and I was like, he's the only 60-year-old more excited than a (laughs) (laughs) 16-year-old. He had legal license. Um, He was able to buy a truck Our entire family is now able to be together. We have a vacation plan this year for spring break with our whole family to be together. And we have not all been able to be together anytime before this. You would never even guess that he was on meth for 22 years. If you've seen him, you look at him. He does not look anything like the person that prayed through just a little over a year ago. But when God pulls you out, he can leave absolutely no trace of sin. I know my grandmother, his mom, she recently has passed away this, this past year, but she prayed every single day. She believed that my mom and dad would get married again. And I would, we would get mad, you know, because we're like, we don't even want them to be together again. Like he was not very nice to her. He was always, you know, it was, it was, meth. We just knew the person that had been on meth for 22 years. And we're like, there's no possible way they could ever get remarried. There's no possible way that he could even really be normal. But we only know what's possible when we walk by sight. But when you start walking by faith, you can see the absolute impossible things that God can do. He can do more in five minutes than we can do in a whole lifetime. But the key is just allowing him to do that. I know when I stepped away. Like I said, it was so hard, but I just had to come to a point and place where I said, I cannot help him. It cannot be anything that I personally can do, but only God can. And God started working. So if you do have a prodigal, I encourage you so much to not give up. My family is a testimony that God can do anything and they're never too far. Um, God's arm is not short. He can reach them no matter where they are. And you can trust the Lord. That's just one thing that I've had to lean on through all of this is I would just say, I can trust you, Lord. Like I cannot trust the situation. I can't trust what I can see. I can't trust what I can feel or what's going on. But I can trust you and I can trust that you're moving when I don't see it. You're working and whenever I don't feel it. You're working and I can trust that you're moving. And, and that's exactly what God did. He completely changed my dad's life. Totally. Like he helps out at church now. He, he helps on the parking team. He helps where he can. And it's just so crazy to even see him doing all these things. and Mentioning brother fish, he had prayed through like right before the impossible prayer list were passed out in our church, brother fish passed out impossible prayer list. And he said, I want you to write down the impossible And I remember sitting by my dad and I thought I'm sitting by the person that I would have put down as the impossible on my prayer list. No, no person, no thing that I can write down is more impossible than the fact that he's sitting on these pews. And I was like, Lord, I I don't even feel like anything. It's impossible. (laughs) for me to even write down because the person that is sitting beside me that I would have said, this is absolutely impossible. There's no way he's sitting with me. But one thing my dad leaned over and he said, I don't even know what to put. And I told him, I said, put restoration. I'm like, "Put for God to restore everything to you. And we wrote that my parents were not remarried and he had honestly, just started coming to church whenever we had these impossible list. And he wrote down restoration. And within months, like maybe even within weeks, God started moving in all different areas of my dad's life. He had a really bad accident due to being on drugs. Anyone normal would not have done this, but he used some sort of saw, like essentially made his own chainsaw and went to cut something down. It backfired on him, cut all the way through his leg and he had needed to be on disability. They had put in for disability and it wasn't until we wrote down restoration on impossible prayer list. All of a sudden he starts getting this letter saying, you've been approved for disability. You're getting all your back pay for disability. All these things happened once he got in church. You know, if he would have had that disability check beforehand, it would have been completely wasted on drugs. Um, he would have had, you know, a little bit of money to be able to do things. Who knows if he would have even been at his lowest point, but God held everything from him until he completely surrendered to God. And then, you know, that started coming and then he was able to get a truck. He was able to get remarried to my mother who was completely impossible for us, but God restored every single thing back to my dad. He restored his mind completely. He's restored Everybody's relationship, you know like it's just it's unbelievable what God really can do if we allow him to do what he's able to do. I think so many times we step in and we want to help God, but he's able to blow our minds we just have to let him
0: Amen thank you so so much for sharing that. I feel personally encouraged by that and I know that that is going to be. A great encouragement to many people um, that are listening. Ever since Matthew Perry's death, I don't remember when that was, last fall, I have just been consumed with the line in Luke 4 where Jesus quotes, I think it's Isaiah 61, he came to set at liberty the captives. And there's so many people in our world, whether they're prodigals and walked away from God or whether they've just never known him, that are bound by addictions of so many kinds. And that is such a powerful, powerful testimony and just and so encouraging. He is the God of the impossible. There's nothing impossible with him, no matter how dire the situation, no matter how impossible it looks to our physical eyes, like you said, he can do it. And so thank you so much for sharing. And thank you to your dad for allowing you to share that story. Um, I really believe that that's going to minister to a lot of people because the pain of watching loved ones struggle and walk away from God is is so deep and so challenging and thank you for running the aisles and having faith you know that's inspiring I really appreciate that so you mentioned um the revival that you guys had with brother fish you had to said earlier you go to first pentecostal church in little rock and I know when he was on the podcast he said there had been about 600 I'm going to say it was like 623 baptisms or something that had happened throughout the course of the revival. And then after he was gone, can you just tell me a little bit about that and how has prayer been a part of that revival?
1: Definitely. So I've, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, like we've been having revival, but I think it's safe to say that we are staying in revival. And I think that is so important to realize that, you know, There are times in your life, and my bishop talks about this, where people, you know, something bad happens and all of a sudden you turn up your prayer life, you turn up your fasting, you know, we've all had this happen. You go through something and you turn it, you turn it up on the devil, you know, or so they say you all of a sudden start doing everything to help yourself get through this or You can just stay there. You can keep the heat turned up on the devil. You can continue to pray, continue to to feel that spirit of revival, and you can continue to build it to where you're not going back and forth. And it's not where it's all of a sudden this huge surplus of people getting baptized. And it's not all of a sudden where all these people start coming to God. But if you continue praying every single day and you continue being on fire, you continue worshiping every single service, Right now, this year, our theme is Make It Count, and we've been talking about making every service count, making every church card count, making every prayer meeting count. Whenever you make those count, every single time, God's going to show up, and daily prayer at First Pentecostal Church, I think it's known for that. It's been pushed my entire life. I received the Holy Ghost at five years old. Bishop Holmes was my pastor then, and I can remember even his mom, Sister A.O. Holmes, talking about creating a prayer life. Even whenever we were young, they would say, even if it's just five minutes, you need to learn to pray, and you need to learn to pray every day. Our church is open 24-7 for prayer, and just as a congregation, we're encouraged every single day to pray. Our bishop and pastor, they also talk about how the Bible says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And the only way that you can make God's house of prayer is for the people to come and pray. The pews can't pray. The musical instruments can't pray. The only thing, the carpet can't pray. The only thing that can actually come in and make God's house a house of prayer is for the people to come and to pray. So it's just been incredible to watch the growth that has been at our church. Um, Brother Taylor Fish, it kicked off a huge revival and it was amazing to watch that. So it's been a little under two years, I believe, that we had had the revival with him and then coming up on that. Um, And I would say our number is really close to the thousand mark. I think it's probably over 900. I can't really remember exactly what it is right now. Um, But that's just with the people being baptized. What's not been counted in that number is um, the prodigals coming home and people praying back through. So I would say if you counted that of people coming back to God and baptizing in that short amount of time, over a thousand people for sure, coming to our church and coming to God. And so looking at that and seeing that and listening to to my pastor, his preaching is just saying that, you know, God's drawing souls. He is drawing man. And we shouldn't be surprised by big baptism numbers. Some people I know, they're like, oh man, you know, there's no way. And I've been hearing on and seeing on social media, so many more people are having hundred soul revivals and looking at that thinking it's the end time. Mm-hmm. We should not be surprised by hundred people, a hundred souls going down in Jesus name. God said, I'll draw all men unto me. God is drawing. It's just, if we're willing to allow him to use us as vessels to bring them in. The people that we see every single day is your family, your teachers, friends. They're all being drawn, but we need to make sure that we're praying every day ourselves so that our spirit can feel that drawing and invite them in. We've seen so many people bring in their waitresses and waiters from restaurants, their friends, their family members that they're together all the time. And they're just like, you want to come to church with me? And they're like, yes, I've just been waiting on you to ask. a friend of mine heard, she filled up two pews of family members and they just told her, they're like, we really want to come to church with you. Um, we've just been waiting on you to invite us to come. And everybody came her aunts or cousins or uncles. I'm like, God is drawing people. And it's up to us if we're going to allow him to use us to bring them in and just to, to give them that invite and just staying in that spirit of prayer and that spirit of revival and say, every service is revival. Every time that I walk in these doors, it is time for God to do something. And whenever we have that spirit on us, then that's what God's going to do in the church.
0: That's beautiful. And I'm believing for incredible revival, not to put numbers on it, but I really believe that what you are saying is true. We are in the end times. God is drawing people. It's his will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And it's incumbent upon us in the church to be sensitive to the loss to the people that he puts in our path and to be reaching for them, whether that's inviting them to church, whether that's teaching them a Bible study, we are all part of the labors that God wants to use in the harvest. So I'm excited for you guys. And it's easy to say a thousand isn't enough, but a thousand is a thousand. And that's exciting. That is so exciting. And I'm so happy for you guys. Obviously Unedited is a podcast about Bible reading and prayer. And I just wanted to ask, how has Bible reading and prayer been a part of your journey, your life? What has that looked like for you? How has it evolved over the years?
1: So it looks different for all of us in every season, I feel like Um, I've had seasons of you know, new motherhood and little babies. And I get it like that season sometimes is so different for your prayer time and your Bible reading. Um, In this season, personally, it has been a lot easier because all three of my children are in school for the first time this year. So getting in that, you know, hour of alone prayer time and getting in the Bible reading has been, it's been easier than ever. But I do know that at certain times in your life, It takes way more of an effort to get in five minutes than it does sometimes for some of us to get in a full hour. (laughs) So I understand wherever that you are in the season, but I'll tell you that what has really helped me overall is just scripture alone Um, and just reading the scripture and taking it for how it is. And Exodus 20 and three says, thou shalt not have no other gods before me. Then Deuteronomy six and four, we can quote it. We teach it to our babies. Hero, Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But knowing those scriptures and doing those can be two totally different things. And I started thinking on all the things that I put before God. I put before prayer time. I put before reading my Bible, social media. It's so easy, especially if you work on it. And so many of us do in this day and time. It's an amazing outlet and thing to work on. It's fun. To get on, I understand, but it can come before God so easily. Um, Working on certain things, you know, hobbies, housework, my kids' needs, my husband's needs. Sometimes I'll go all day long and realize I never really touched God today or I never got in his word. I never read my daily Bible reading and nothing that I had done that day was more important than God. He's the most important thing to me. But for some reason, I allowed other things to come before him. Praying and Bible reading is something that you're just not going to feel pressed to do. It's so easy to put it on the back burner. And, you know, I just feel like God created us that way. If you want him, you have to seek him. Mm-hmm. When you seek him, you'll always find him. But you have to seek him. You have to seek after him. He's not coming to us saying, you have to seek me today. You have to come before me today. You have to pray. You have to read your Bible. There's, you know, whenever other things are going on, that just feels like something you can always come back to because, you know, he's always there. The Bible reading's always going to be there. There's no one standing over you, giving you a deadline, but he wants us to long for him. And he commands us to put him first and to have no other gods before him. And we know that. But whenever we put him first and we put him as the main priority, he takes care of all the rest of the things. My days go so much smoother whenever I put God first and I put Bible reading and I put praying at the top of my list of things to do. Matthew 6, says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added we want all the things I can think of all the things that I want to be added to me, but we have to seek him first. And I, I had even come across this and was thinking about, you know, seeking him first. And then I started thinking about the things that I actually seek first. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, like, you know, when you first wake up and you seek after your coffee, some of you may not be that person, but I am. And I started doing a little something instead. And sometimes I don't wake up in plenty of time to do an hour long prayer meeting in the morning or, you know, this big Bible reading and devotion before getting my kids off to school. That sounds like something I would love to do. And there was a time and a season where I had to wake up early in order to get it done. But I started deciding, you know what, I'm really going to seek him first. And so before I would hit make on the coffee pot, I would just walk around my house a couple times. And say, God, I'm seeking you first today. You're first on the list. I want you to go before me. I want you to go before my kids. I want you to go before my family. I want to put you first. I want you to know that you're first. I want you to feel that you're first. I want you to know that I'm seeking after the things that you would have me to do today, the places that you would have me to go today. I want you to know I'm seeking you first. And it's just something about those little small things. I think we think, you know, I have to wake up into a 5 a.m. prayer meeting or I have to do this big, long journal type thing. And I have to do this. I have to do that. It's not always about the big, long things that God always wants. You know, we're created after him and his image. And there's so many times. What about the little things that if you're married, your spouse does for you? The little things your children do for you, the little things your parents do for you, like I was talking about the encouragement earlier, the little things that people do. We're created after his image. Do you not think he wants little things too? Just to say, you know, God, you're first. I put you as a priority. I put you above everything else in my life. I love you and I want you to know that I am seeking after you first. It's just these little bitty things. And then throughout your day, you realize after you've put him first, Things are going to come up, you know, um, you hear like life is life. And, you know, you hear that phrase sometimes And life does life, believe you me. And things come up that happen that we have absolutely no control over. Trials are going to come. But when you have put him first, you know, like he holds your world in his hands. All your confidence is in him and he knows your confidence is in him. And you can unashamedly be who he's calling you to be whenever you know that he's in control.
0: That's beautiful. I love how you're talking about doing little things for God. He is the God of the little and the God of of the big, the grand, and he appreciates just simple little thoughtfulness. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I love how you just Encouraging people, no matter what stage they're at, if they only have five minutes or they're just establishing this habit, put God first, seek Him. This habit's going to grow, it's going to become the best part of your life. And we've covered a lot of topics today. We've talked about your podcast, really, how you are working to encourage other women to pursue the call of God and to be themselves who God has made them to be. We've shared, you shared an incredible story about your dad giving hope to those of the prodigals, talked about revival, that you guys are just kind of an ongoing vein of revival, and talked about Bible reading and prayer. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the unedited listeners before we close this interview?
1: I guess if I could share one last thing, I would tell you to stop living small. You serve a big God who is able to do abundantly more than you can even ask or think. It doesn't say as big as you can ask or think or as small as you ask or think that he can do more than the small things or he can do more than the big things. But it says he can do more than you can ask or think. So think big, dream big, pray big, ask big and allow him to do bigger. Allow God to blow your mind because he absolutely can.
0: Amen. That's my verse for 2024. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. So thank you, Jamie, for everything that you've shared today. I really believe that so many of the things you said are going to be an encouragement to everybody who listens. I greatly appreciate you being here.
1: Thank you for having me on. It was a high honor to be on Unedited.
0: Another huge thank you to Jamie for everything she shared in this episode. And thanks to you for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions, you can visit MegUnedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible and check out Jamie's podcast, Unashamedly You. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy, happy Friday.